This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Jody Vance in for Simi Sarah. Uh, glad to have you along for the ride. I am getting all of your emails. Uh, definitely talking about the topic of royal security and whether or not Canadian taxpayers should be on the hook for this. I'm I'm pleased to see that there are some people that are chiming in going, relax, everybody, relax, because there was a lot of vitriol early on in my inbox with people just mad about it. But one of the uh, notes that came through, this one from Marg, said, Jody, I like the royals, but if Prince Harry and Meghan want to live their own lives then they pay for everything. His mother left an estate, use it. This is their choice. Wasn't there someplace in England, Scotland, Wales, they could have lived on their own? We have children here in BC going to school without breakfast and lunch. They do not have proper clothing for this cold weather. No, we we need to help our BC children living in poverty. That from Peggy. Peggy, thank you. That is the perfect reply email to introduce our next guest. Uh, joining me in studio is Adrian Montani, the Provincial Coordinator, First Call, a BC Child and Youth Advocacy uh, Coalition. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for the opportunity. There is the annual report. The new report uh, has come out today, the First Call BC Child Poverty Report Card. How do you read this report card this year, Adrian? Um, I guess with some disappointment that after 30 years of promising we'd end child poverty in Canada, um, that we still have one in five children in BC poor. So when we think about one in chi- one in five, um, somebody might go, well, at least it's not two. It's like, but one's too many. <laughs> yes. And uh, when you dig beneath that, so that's 164,000 children. And then when you dig beneath that, uh, one in two children who live in single parent families are poor. Wow. Over 50%, 53% of the poor children in this province live with single parents. So this this is a systemic issue that points to what some things we need to do to better support mostly mothers. These are mostly female-led families. Having been in a single parent environment, my mother uh, was raising my brother and I in the early 70s with very little in way of support. In fact, it was frowned upon that she was divorced and living on her own, never mind, didn't have childcare services available. And it was very, without our family's support, mm-hmm. we would not have made it the way we did. And, and certainly I'm here to tell you that my mom is a champion uh, and now has been happily married to my stepdad for, for many years. But knowing what she survived, and I think about somebody living in the affordability crisis of today mm-hmm. with the issues of trying, I mean, trying to have a job and having childcare that doesn't eclipse the job mm-hmm. is massive. It's a big deal. And not everybody has the family support. Exactly. Some people are lucky and can call on that. But again, we go back to single parents. They don't have another earner. Uh, if childcare exceeds the cost of what they can earn, what are they supposed to do here? So, yeah, yeah. so it's, that's, a, that's a big issue. What are some things in your learning experience, uh, Adrian, that we could do mm-hmm. to change these stats, to look at this report and say, okay, you know what? 2020, this is the year. Mm-hmm. This is the year we change it. What do we need to do as a society, Well, as we, a government? Yeah, yeah. poverty is, a, is an income problem. So this is, these are stats about people not having enough money. They also have really high costs, and that's not even captured in this data. So there's, there's action needed on both sides, and I know government is looking at those things. Uh, so certainly child care is a big issue, again, not just for single parents, but for two couple families as well with children. So finding quality child care, being able to afford it. Government started in uh, both some federal and provincial 
potential investments, but I think BC has really stepped up to try and, and invest in early childhood. And we're looking for that public childcare system that looks like a public education system that doesn't cost parents an arm and a leg. So uh, good on them for starting it. It's not showing up in the stats yet because it, we're still in the beginning stages. It feels slow to be implemented because I yes. remember viscerally when John Horgan was speaking to it as a main campaign promise. Mm-hmm. And certainly it takes a great deal of time because mm-hmm. you need to find the people to actually be qualified and, yes. and run these pr- right. child care facilities that we're trying to open up. Is there a way that could expedite that? Again, I think they're trying, um, yeah. but they, they really need to look at the wages of uh, wage supplements or the, the wages of early childhood educators. If you, if you can't recruit in, a, in our society, it's because you're not paying enough probably for yeah. those jobs. And so people can't, who don't make enough to even put their children in childcare, like are, they're going to look up for other options. So we need to increase wages for early childhood educators, respect the, the work that they do, and that will help with recruitment. I know they're trying to open up more spots, but they won't fill them if, they, if people don't see a career path that's family supporting wage. So that's really important. And that's a key piece. And we can look, you know, just across the country because Quebec has this figured out. Yes, they do. Yeah. They have a much better uh, publicly funded system. It's not perfect, but it's definitely way ahead of us. And it doesn't cost parents an arm and a leg in the same way. Um, The other side of it is, I mean, I want to mention, so most poor children do live with parents who work. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's the wage issue, of course, Uh, and precarious work, you know, uh, people need jobs with benefits especially if they have children, those kinds of things. Uh, and then there's the minority of children, but a very important minority of children who live on income assistance. Again, mostly mother-led families on disability. That's where the bulk of the children are. And those parents can't work because they have a disability of some sort or another. And the the rates, the welfare incomes are just so small, so low. So they're way below. So both when you combine all the, the poor kids in the province and you look at their parents' income, whether it's those on income assistance or the majority that are working, they are usually uh, on average ten to $14,000 below the poverty line. Wow. So, so we're talking like significantly food insecure. Yes. And not able to pay rent. And we know rents are really high. And yeah, not able to cover healthcare costs, not able to afford a bus pass. So that social exclusion that happens, let alone the health effects of just even the stress of trying to decide, can I afford another winter jacket for my child or do I buy milk? That's the kind of uh, income insecurity and food insecurity that these families are facing. We are with Adrian Montani, who's the Provincial Coordinator, First Call, uh, BC Child and Youth Advocacy Coalition. And uh, I think that is an excellent reminder, especially on a day like today when we're looking out our windows and wondering what would it be like to not have the the clothing required Mm -hmm. to be out of doors in this. Uh, We think about the homeless community, certainly. Um, I've been talking a great deal about the uh, Overdose Prevention Society and how you can drop off there. Blanketbc.org is a great Mm -hmm. resource to get get blankets to, to homeless people. But what if people who aren't in that category but are just a, a breath away from there. Yes. Yeah. And there are many families you don't see as much street homelessness with children. Right. But they're couch surfing, they're um they're they're very afraid to be visible because they're afraid their children so could be apprehended. Taken away. <laughs> so so they're hiding in vehicles. Yeah. How can we help? Yeah. Um, government needs to do more of what it's doing just a little bit faster. A- accelerate for that government. So making affordability in childcare and housing those are two big issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, income supports for those on disability and income assistance raise the rates. Uh, and then all of us, <laughs> we generally then that so government's a big employer and a big contractor. But there are you know there's a whole private sector out there be- beyond the public sector need to pay living wages. 
and look at the kinds of jobs they're creating and do they have benefits. So that whole issue of precarious work is really starting to show up. Um, the affordability piece across the board in BC, particularly on the south coast here, as we've seen, you know, property values are out out of this world, and and trying to even find the workforce to to mm-hmm. manage. I mean, everybody's working on a razor thin margin and finding it difficult to pay that extra bit mm-hmm. to keep it. I mean, it, it feels like we're on a on a sort of um, mouse wheel of trying to mm-hmm. get ahead and can't really get ahead. So it's it's well, where th- do we find you? I'm up against yeah. the clock, but where okay. do we find out more if we want to help you? How, how does somebody get a hold of you? Uh, our website is firstcallbc.org, uh, First Call BC Child and Youth Advocacy Coalition. The, the report we're talking about is published today on that website or on another one, but I'll just give that one, firstcallbc.org, and we'll be publishing regional fact sheets and maps so people can look at their local circumstances as well. Adrian Montani, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you.